Welcome back, Real Talk listeners. Listen, we are going through a new series and we're spending some time really investing in ourselves this um, this month or this you know over the summer, I would say. And we've really spent some time reading some different books. So we found that whether we agreed or disagreed with the books, um, our intent was to invest in self-care and reading and identifying how we can continue to develop ourselves. But also sometimes when we read some books, we had either similar views or opposing views. So you're going to hear in this series our take on some um, different books that we're reading and kind of, uh, uh, I guess, elaborating a little bit further on it. Whether you select to read these books or not, completely up to you, whether you agree or disagree with our views on this. It's going to be very interesting. But you know us. We're here. We're keeping it real. Michelle, you are the first person to go up in this book series. So you've read an executive presence book. Would love to hear about this and talk about it because I know you're super passionate about what came out of it. So this book is multiple parts. And I only pulled up the first one because that's as far as I've gotten so far. Might be as far as I ever get. Um, <laughs> called Executive Presence for Women. And I thought what I liked about the book to start with and one of the reasons that I picked it up is because the author divides the idea of executive presence into multiple facets. Like there are five facets of executive presence. I will tell you guys, we will put a link to my favorite executive presence book. And I'll tell you what that is at the end of this discussion. If you really want to dig into executive presence, but I thought she divides this into five facets and that maybe I could get something out of one, if not all of them. So one of the things that I thought going into this was even if there are elements of this that frustrate me, and I'll tell you why I knew going into this before I even read it in just a second, but I thought I would learn something from one of the other facets, right? So there's verbal, visual, your body language specifically, uh, your gravitas, politics in the workplace, and positioning in the workplace. So just to give you guys FYI, I knew going into this, the visual piece was going to piss me off. I can actually remember being a part of a conversation in the workforce probably 15 years ago where there was a game being played where pictures of people were posted. This was part of a executive presence meeting or training, if you will. And it included an activity, which I refused to participate in, where pictures of people were posted on the wall or posted on the PowerPoint. And we were asked to make assumptions about those person or that person, right? And you guys know that I'm willing to admit I have bias. I've talked about that. I've talked about my white privilege, but I'm not some, I'm someone who is trying to actively change that about themselves. So I'm certainly not going to participate in an activity where I look at somebody dressed in like leather pants and a biker short. And I'm going to be like criminal because it just emotionally, it reinforces bias in my mind. And so I couldn't be a part of it. 
And in the past, that's been one of the pieces that has bothered me the most about workshops or classes on executive presence. Actually, um, I did not go to, but I had some of my friends tell me about an external consultant who came in to do an uh, executive presence class with them. And they, she literally started the class by making them identify what season they were. So they wore the appropriate colors. Look, dude, I don't know what century you're in, but in the 21st century, we wear whatever color we want to. Okay. (laughs) We judge what season works for us based on when our friends say we look stupid or we look good. But yeah, there was this whole lesson of you're a spring and here are spring colors. And so it felt more like etiquette class than executive presence. And so it also reinforces for me stigmas and stereotypes. And that pisses me off because when you force someone to look, talk, and act like the status quo, It means that you are not inclusive. And Maria, you and I have talked about how I get frustrated that we live in a country where we have to measure diversity because diversity is not what it's about. It's about the fact that we welcome people who can do the job that have different points of view. And usually those people look different than you because if they look the same as you and talk the same as you and act the same as you, they don't have a different opinion. So it's the inclusion part of diversity and inclusion that is super critical in my mind. I just did not know how frustrated I was going to get because I didn't even make it past the introduction when I read the following phrase. I actually told my niece about this phrase, just so you guys know. And she had a coronary right in the car as we were going to the grocery store. She said, so we're still in the introduction phase and she is talking about something that is true about women as a whole. And I'll get to that because there there are some things in here that I think have some value. This is the one that, that I was like, I don't know that I could read past the introduction to be quite frank with you. She said, does that mean you need to be a man to get the job. Must you wear a suit and act like a dude to get the job? Absolutely not. You do not have to be a man, but you can't be a girl. Girls don't get the job. They get the coffee. It's harsh, but it's true. (laughs) No. That very moment was when my blood pressure went through the roof and I actually had to put the phone down. I mean, I had because I was reading it on my phone. So I had to put the phone down. I was like, I can't even. Got to find a new book. Guess we're not going to talk about that one because if I can't get past page 12 in the book, how can I actually say anything about the book? So then I had another lull. And so I went back to the book and I kept reading because just like I in a previous episode, in a previous month, I talked about how my face reacts first. And then once I process stuff, So once I processed it, I was like, okay, so I'm going to read further. I mean, her Tierra syndrome absolutely makes sense. I could see it in my family. I could see it in my friends. So surely I can glean something good out of this, even if that particular 
visual facet pisses me off. So I kept reading and I came to a part where she refers to an organization, external organization, who actually helped her explain what she does better than she'd ever been able to in her uh, 20-year career. She said that in the past, she really just kind of saw herself as what not to wear for corporate America. Um, And frankly, it's still what I have her titled as. But the CTI Institute, she was like, they, they did a study and they put some facts and some figures around executive presence and what that means. And so it, it felt like it gave some clout to her work, right? So then I take a deep breath and I'm like, Woo, love me some statistics. So I'm going to go look at CTI, which I, of course, Googled right away. And I'm going to look up this research and I'm going to learn a little bit more about what she's trying to say. Maybe she's just choosing words because guys, that can be it a lot of times. I know that there's a book called a dictionary that has definitions of words, but we as individuals, we put our own, nobody read the dictionary. We put our own kind of definition and implications to words based on how we've used them or how people around us have used them. And so maybe she's just using some words that trigger me in a way that they shouldn't. And so if I look at some statistics, maybe I'll rein in and it'll be better. So I go to the website and it redirects me to a new page because CTI has completely rebranded themselves. They are now called Coquil. And their stance is that corporational structures should be built in a way that allow people to be different, that do not force you to talk and act and have the same degree and dress and think like everybody else in order to do the job. And so really what I was thinking was we're looking at... We're looking at a couple of things, and we've talked about it in several podcasts, right? We're looking at a situation, Maria, I mentioned this in one podcast where I said white women doing the suffrage movement, white women separated themselves from people of color. So we're looking at a place where some women are able, regardless of color, some women were able in the 80s and 90s to separate themselves from other women, girls, if you will. And to fit in and behave more like the boys. So the boys could see us in the seat, right? They could actually picture us making decisions the way they would. Because that's what it means when an executive says, I don't see you in this seat. Basically, what it means is I don't think you're going to make the same decisions I would. No shit. I'm not you. Okay. Okay. This could be an explicit podcast. I'm sorry but I'm passionate about this, right? And so that's exactly what's happened is some people read a few things and said, you wear a power suit, you talk like a man, you act like a man, you remove your emotions when you're at work. And sure enough, bam, they could see you in the the seat, right? And so you get the promotion. And it has long been touted or hoped that once you got in that seat, that you would make it easier for people who were like you to get there. But after you play the role for four years, 
to get the promotion into the seat, you forgot who the hell you were to begin with. You're not helping other people get up there because you're now making choices like your predecessor. And so when you look for people to replace you in that seat, you're looking for people who now make choices like you, who make choices like your predecessor, and there's no change or no, no growth in the organization. And so that was the train of thought, right? Is play the game until you get what you want. And then maybe you can change it from the inside. Like how many times have you heard people joke about that with politics? Play the game until you get the seat and then you can change it from the inside. No, you can't because now you just became them. And so what's happening and why why I think the website that she cited is now different is because we are starting to evolve. We're not all there yet for sure, but we're starting to evolve to a place that says, I can make a tough damn decision and not be you. I can decide that while it might pain me, I need to reduce my workforce by 100 people. It may not be something I want to do. I would hope it wasn't something you wanted to do as my predecessor was to show up one day and say, 100 people unemployed, no way to feed your kids. I would hope. I don't want to do it, but it is what I need for my business to go forward. I can make that hard choice. It doesn't matter if I'm a girl or a boy. It doesn't matter if I'm white or Hispanic. If I'm running a business, I can make a tough choice. I can fire someone. I can hire someone. So it's interesting you say that. So I'd be interested in finding out how long ago that book was written. Although you also mentioned, you know, she's got a PhD. She's been in the business of executive presence and or for women for 25 years. She has experience in some sort of capacity. So when you think about 25 years ago, gosh, I mean, when I when I think 25 years ago in my head, I'm thinking like the maybe like the 70s, maybe the 50s. But like it's literally like just before the 2000s, like late 90s, which is really strange to say that because like my head's in the wrong place. Um, and I'm sure some of our listeners can relate like, <laughs> but um, when you're thinking she's been in the business since the late nineties, so much has evolved since then. And we have different generations and everything that's obviously going from that perspective. But I think Michelle, I'm interested to find out like, do you think all of her points are valid for that time from 25 years ago and she hasn't evolved her mindset since then? Like, is this a brand new book or been out in the last couple of years? And then all of a sudden, you know, she's, you know, writing on this over the last couple of years. Like, I feel like this, this has been, you know, when you think of like women in the workforce grabbing the coffee, I think like that's the 1950s, right? When like, Women stayed home and, you know, maybe were like assistants, like moving their way into like being executive assistants or something. But like at the end of the day, women have been making such a big movement in the workforce. And like you mentioned, yes, there's still work to do from a bias perspective, stereotyping, et cetera. But I think it's critical for us to like understand, like, has her mindset changed a little bit? Like, it'd be interesting to have her on a call with us. It would really after I just said that about. <laughs> yes, even better. 
I think it would as well. There is a newer book, which she cites in this. So I think it's possible that she's gone in and updated this since the original writing. But the her most recent book was written in 2015. And this Kindle version does not tell me when it was written. Well, fair enough. I mean, at least in 2015, she went and updated that book to reference the new book. So you would think she would have re reassess some of her other statements on there and made some modifications. So clearly, even within the last six to seven years, she's felt the same about whatever message she put back in 2015, which was very interesting. Yeah, because it hurts my heart. (laughs) That's just completely disturbing to like read a book um, when you're talking, when you're searching for stuff and it's executive presence for women. However, Michelle, we've also, I would say in the last decade as well, from previous leadership regime to be the bride in the room or also to um, dress the part of the role that you want, dress for the role that you want, not the role that you have. So all of those pieces are kind of still being instilled in people and organizations. You know what they are. And I think there are even towards you people of color to women, to any minority. I think what is most prevalent are the microaggressions and some of the things around. So a friend of mine who is chief human resource officer she is the only female on this at that C-suite level. And they were, they were having a yearly strategy meeting. She has a child. In fact, everyone on the board has a child. Okay. And during the meeting, they were going really long. It was six, seven o'clock. Like they'd been there all day. And they looked at her and one of the other C-suite officers said, are you okay or do you need to go take care of your children? And she said, I'm fine. Do you need, do any of you need to go take care of your children? And they go, no, we were just saying you don't have a, and she said, a wife, maybe your wife has a job too. And she even remembered when she was first promoted to that position in one of the first meetings she was in, someone said, Hey, we're going to be here for a while. Maybe you could organize lunch for us. Right. It's, it's like the not coming straight out and saying you're a woman, do this. It's sort of applying gender roles to the task that you're assigned. And historically, the female would be responsible for the children and would be responsible for making sure everyone was taken care of their food, etc. So it was simply applying a gender role to her. And she said absolutely. So let me go ahead and make a list of who's going to be in charge of the food next week. And sure enough, she went through all of them and every weekly meeting and everyone in the room got assigned a week where they were responsible for getting lunch for the group. And so that was her way of saying, I'm part of the team and I will be a team player, but I will not be given a gender assignment because you think it's what I'm here for. So I think it does still exist in the world. And for those of us who have experienced it, I think that's where conversations like this become even more frustrating. Now, I'm going to admit, I'm probably going to keep reading because while I am quick to make judgments, 
I am also really big on opening up for any learning that I can get from anyone. And I'm also opening up to my original judgment could have been wrong. And when I dig deeper, maybe that's not what comes across. But out of the gate, it set that impression. Now, there's another executive presence book that I really, really love. It is called Understanding Executive Presence, and it is by Paul Aldo. He does the same thing where he breaks it into several categories. He also has a category that is sort of around visual. However, not once does he make me feel like if I don't dress like you or talk like you, he talks more about the confidence that you display and the choice of clothing that you have made. He talks more about the confidence that you display when you state your opinion, not the words you use. And I think that's a nuance for me, which is so incredibly frustrating Just because I'm Southern and I have a draw does not make me dumb. I don't care what you saw on a Hollywood movie. Are there some dumb people that live in the South? Sure are. I met a few of them. Are there some dumb people that live in New York? Yes. Right. And so that for me is what I find frustrating. It's that I can't be perceived as smart if I do X, Y, or Z. If I'm being honest with you, you know the reason that I made a conscious choice to use profanity in my life? It's because I had someone early in my career tell me that people who cuss are stupid. I'm like, F you, guess what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life? F you. So she was taught by her mom that people who use profanity use profanity because they don't know any other smarter words to use. And so that translated in her mind to people who cuss are dumb, right? And as a rebel, the minute she's like, it makes you dumb, I'm going to be like, I'm going to cuss forever now just to prove you wrong. And so I think that for me, that's the reason I have to go back and continue reading it is because I'm placing a lot of this on things that just annoy me. The same thing visually, like I grew up with hand-me-downs. So the idea that I have to spend $2,000 on a power suit to make a smart choice pisses me off. In fact, look where we are in the country right now. Maybe you should have stopped hiring people who wear $1,500 suits a long time ago. Maybe you should have ask people who wear normal clothes a long time ago what to do. So I think for me, that's the reason I've got to keep reading is because it is coming from a place that triggers me. And as a result of that trigger, I know that my goal or my desire is to shut down and say, nope, I don't need that. So that's why I'll keep reading it. But understanding executive presence... Paul Aldo, that's where you should start. (laughs) And we'll put that link in our bio um, area uh, uh, for the podcast. So I think that's um, 
Michelle, that's helpful not only for our listeners to understand a place of where you're coming from, but also in regards to continuing reading. Because I think what's important for us is we continue to identify difference, differences in opinion and how we go about things so that we can make sure we continue to challenge ourselves and learn new ways or innovate ourselves. So even if someone has a different idea, if it's new and innovative, not from 2015 or before, us being open to continue to read, to learn, to see if there's any sort of piece in there we can get out of it and continue to challenge ourselves. Because at the end of the day, difference of thought is what's keeping us together and having great and fantastic communication. So agreed. Yeah. So we'll continue with our book series. Thanks, Michelle, for kicking it off with your passion and giving us a recommendation of something that uh, may be a little bit more in the positive new age lights. So would love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to comment on our LinkedIn as we're posting these and putting comments there. So listeners, until next time, take care. Bye. Bye, guys.